0: Supporting you in your dog parenting journey. The Dynamic Dog Owner, with Debbie Potter. Hello and welcome to The Dynamic Dog Owner. Today we are going to be looking at one of my favourite topics, which is lead work. So pulling on the lead. Pulling on the lead is one of the most common areas that people struggle with. For me, it is one of the most important foundations because for majority of our dogs... 90% of their time is spent on lead um, because we have to walk them near roads, because we have to walk them from A to B, because they don't get to go off lead. When you take them to training classes, often they begin on lead. So leads become an incredibly important part of life with our dog. If your dog is pulling on the lead, if you haven't got good lead boundaries, it makes every other element of training and being and living with your dog really challenging. So it's safe for me, it is one of my favourite topics. Um, a lot of people think I'm really sad, but teaching people the joy of lead walking, for me, has so many benefits and it's so satisfying to see a pair, so a dog and a human, turn up and go, we hate our walks, they're really awful, um, I hate walking, we hate going for a walk together, he pulls, I get stressed. Um, and then over our journey working together, you see the magic happen and you see that dreaded walk suddenly become probably one of the most important and enjoyable parts of the day. Um, So for me, it has loads of satisfaction and I really enjoy it. Um, And I say it has got so many benefits because I don't know about you guys, but if your dog pulls on the lead and you don't enjoy walks, you're naturally inclined to not take them for as many walks as you would if they walked nicely on the lead. My three guys, uh, one of them has always naturally walked beautifully on the lead, never been a problem. Um, He's quite a lot of attachment issues, that's probably why. Um, But he has always walked beautifully on the lead, and it makes our journey together so much more enjoyable. He sees more, he goes more places, I walk him more. We go to places where you have to keep dogs on lead with him because it is a joy to have him on the lead. The other two, haven't been natural dogs for being on the lead and lead work has been more challenging so therefore it is more of a job it is more of a task it has been a training issue and therefore it does knock on to everything else so it means the other two although we're always working on our lead work it doesn't come naturally to them it is a struggle and it does mean that I don't take them to as many places or as many variety of places as I do with Rem who does walk nicely on the lead simply because it's not enjoyable for them or us. My tolerance levels are less and therefore, you know, my emotions come into play quite a lot. So we're going to look at today a few of my top tips about lead work. Um, not necessarily how to fix it, but some of the things we we forget about when it comes to lead work. And some of them will overlap with other topics we've discussed on the podcast. Um, so do check back previous episodes about anything to do with leads really. Um, but one of the most important things, And it's one of the most obvious is what equipment we are using to walk our dog. Assessing, evaluating the equipment you use, checking whether it's suitable, why it works, how it works, whether it's comfortable on our dog can just be one of the most basic changes we make. But it can have the biggest effect because the equipment we use obviously has an emotional impact on our dog. So how do they feel when they are wearing that equipment? And in turn, just by changing that, it can transform your lead work. I liken it, and this may be a very weird analogy, but I liken a ill-fitted harness or a collar or a tightening device or whatever it is you use to walk your dog. It's a bit like wearing an uncomfortable bra. If you've got a bra that's got underwire that pokes out or it pinches or it's a bit too tight or doesn't quite sit right, gentlemen please think of your shirt and tie as a as a difference it is like having an uncomfortable bra that feels uncomfortable you naturally you it fits you fidget you itch you squirm in your seat because it feels uncomfortable and you're always twitching and twirling around um naturally you know you're going to feel restricted it's going to be uncomfortable that that affects how you feel it affects your focus it affects your productivity it affects loads of different things the same thing happens with our dog if they're attached to a collar um, or a harness that doesn't fit very well, or one of the ones that tightens or adds tension, it's naturally going to make your dog pull just slightly more to resist that sensation because they have to, they want to, It's they're naturally going to pull against that feeling and that sensation. Um, there's a lot of sort of theory that sled dogs use harnesses. Therefore, if you put your dog in a harness, they're going to pull like a sled dog would. It's rubbish. Sled dogs pull because they are trained sled dogs who have a natural breeding desire to pull. <laughs> um, putting your dog in a harness, if they're not a sled dog, will not magically make them pull. Just like me, wearing a pair of trainers does not suddenly make me a marathon runner. So do look at your equipment. Is it the right equipment? For me, a when you're choosing a harness, you're looking for one that is well fitted, So that means it is fitted to your individual dog, not just one you've bought off the internet and you think fits. It should have a Y shape at the front. So it sits on um, sort of the the more bony parts of the dog's board front and protects their Mm -hmm. neck. On the back, it should be more of an H design, which means it doesn't sit too close to the shoulders and allows for optimum freedom of freedom of movement. Naturally, anything we put on our dogs is going to cause a little bit of restriction it's impossible to avoid it completely. But if we minimise that, it means they are going to be comfortable. Harnesses should not tighten. So some of them have bits that, that tighten as the dog pulls. Those are naturally going to create a sensation to resist against. Um, some of them have a bar across the front or some of them sit too close to the front of the legs. Some of them are branded as anti-pull and anti-pull is basically causing some form of restriction or discomfort to make your dog not enjoy pulling. Um, so avoid things like that. We want it to be comfortable, just like your favourite bra. We would like your dog's harness to feel comfortable. Equally, your choice of leads. We've got another podcast episode, the previous episodes, all about leads. So check that one out. But naturally, we think that we should have the shortest lead possible to have control. But actually, it does the opposite effect. The longer the lead, more opportunity your dog has to sniff, the more freedom of movement they have, the more they can choose which way they'd like to walk, whether they'd like to naturally um, sort of snake from smell to smell, Um, and they don't have to pull to achieve that. So it gives them more freedom to just move, mooch, sniff, um, without having to pull to get there. So longer lead naturally reduces pulling. Obviously, you have to use the lead length that is suitable in the environment, Personally, I would avoid retractable leads, so ones that vary in length, because again, they can encourage your dog to pull. So, a fixed length lead, roughly two metres, if you're in a space where you can use a longer one, brilliant. So, that's kind of the equipment. Assessing that is so important, it's incredibly important. So, the next thing to talk about is motivation. Understanding the reasons behind a dog's behaviour is One of the most important things we can do without realising we are always motivated. No matter who we are, what species we are, everything we do has motivation behind it. Going to work has motivation because we get paid. So whatever the task, whether it be income, um, doing the washing up, you need clean utensils to cook your dinner um, or going for a walk with our dog. We have to have motivation to do it. If my dog goes out for a nice walk, they will chill out when I come home and I get a little bit of um, downtime. Every single thing we do, there is a, me, a reason, a motive that means we want to do it. Our dogs are absolutely no different. Every single thing our dogs do, whether it be a good thing that we would like them to do or a thing that we would prefer them not to do, there will always be some form of motivation. Often behaviours Unwanted behaviours in particular come about because we aren't clear what the motivation is behind the behaviour and therefore we don't know how to channel them into a more appropriate activity or mindset. Knowing what motivates your dog to pull on the lead will be an absolute game changer. So are they pulling because they are very, very overexcited and want to just see the world and go on their walk and have a great time? Are they pulling to get to something or someone are they pulling to get to a smell? Are they pulling to get to um another dog or a person at the other side of the road? Are they pulling to get to their favourite bit of grass where you let them them off the lead and you go and have a run together? Are they pulling because they need a wee? Are they need a poo in their particular spot? Or because of emotions? Are they trying to pull to get away from something? So knowing what motivates them for pulling helps us understand the reason for the pull. And therefore, our training approach can be more tailored to the actual individual scenario. Obviously, we would generally say, well, dogs would like to pull because it gets them further, gets them there quicker. Absolutely true. But what are they trying to get for? What are they trying to get toward? If we know what they would like and why they're pulling to get it, we can make sure we give them it to them in a slightly different way or structure our walk so that they are getting what they need first satisfying the need and then we can adapt our methods and our walk to make sure they're reducing pulling so often we use food as a reward food is like the most easiest thing possible because it's something easy we've got on us all dogs have to eat so it's the easiest for us to get it's easiest for us to deliver But every dog is different and if your dog is motivated for pulling, if they're trying to get to another dog to say hello, they don't want the treats in your pocket because that isn't what's motivating them. If they are trying to get a piece of food that's out of reach, yes we can motivate them, we can reward them with food because that's what they were after in the first place. So think of rewards and motivation as being a much bigger picture than just I have a treat in my pocket, why don't you want it? We can use toys as reward. We can use praise. We can use affection. We can use giving them what they want as a reward if you've done the thing I'd like you to do first. So one of the big things and the biggest tip I could possibly give when it comes to lead work is think about your individual dog. When they are pulling, what do they want? What are they trying to get to? What are they trying to achieve? that way you will have a, so much more understanding of your dog. So if I look at my three, Dave, the eldest, pulls because he wants to get there very quickly as one. He wants to get to say hello to people. And equally, it's normally because there's something good to pee on. Um, let's face it, I've got boy dogs, so everything has to be peed on. Uh, my middle dog, Rem, as I say, he doesn't really pull. The only time he pulls a lot and doesn't, it's not really a lot for him, it's, it's like a slight pull on the lead, um, is that when he wants to go to, for a poo, because he's very special, and he has certain spots that he'll go for a poo in. He won't go to the toilet in my garden, um, and he has certain spots on the walk where are his, they are his poo spots, and if you're not at a poo spot, he will hold it. Equally, when we are rewarding our dog for staying with us, etc., knowing what, having something they want is incredibly important there's no point you offering a dry piece of biscuit if it doesn't motivate your dog if it's not tasty enough so any food rewards any toys we use as reward check your dog likes them first it's a really really important thing it's often something we overlook i've got dog treats um that'll do but if your dog doesn't like them it's a bit like me trying to motivate you with a dry rice cracker which i personally can't stand um or a pound you know come and do this task for me i'll pay you a pound 30 years ago pounds worth a lot of money nowadays a pound is nothing you offer a teenager a pound to do something they'll look at you like are you kidding me i can't buy anything with a pound same goes for our dogs if their treat isn't worth enough value to them they're not going to walk nicely on the lead for it so look at the motivation for your dog's behavior why are they doing this and how can i use that as a reward but equally, what reward can I give them so that they want to do what I would prefer them to do instead of what they would like? The next thing is looking at your distractions. We want our dogs to not be distracted by the world, but dogs can easily become distracted, particularly so if you have a young puppy or an adolescent dog, because the world is a big, scary exciting overwhelming place adolescent dogs are driven by hormones um, and there's a lot of stuff going on so we tend to expect brand new behavior that we've not put into practice elsewhere to work in the most difficult situation possible so for example we go oh let's test our lead work let's walk down the high street when there's people or there's dogs or there's stuff going on and we wonder why it doesn't work So one of the most important things we can do with lead work is actually practice when there are no distractions at all in your garden, in your house. You don't even need to use your lead because lead work, I know it sounds a bit weird because it's like called lead work, but it's all about focus and engagement and a history of learning with your dog. It can work off lead and on lead. The lead is just a safety device when you're in busy places near roads, but your dog should be able to transfer off lead walking next to you to on lead walking next to you quite easily. So practice at home, in the garden, in the house, with, without a lead. This makes sure that you're setting your dog up for success. You're making training enjoyable, fun and achievable for everybody involved. We all know that quick wins make us feel better. Same goes for our dogs. If we're setting the bar so high that they can't ever achieve it and they're constantly feeling like they're not doing very well, they're not getting feedback, they're not getting treats or rewards, they're going to soon lose focus and lose interest and go, this is rubbish. I never win anyway, so what's the point? If we set our goal very, very low, give them lots of attention, lots of rewards, quick succession, they then feel boosted and go, yeah, I'm doing a good job. Look at me go. I'm amazing then they enjoy the task and they start to enjoy training with you. Gradually, very gradually, as they start to improve and as these skills become second nature, we can then increase the level of distractions in our environment. So rather than training your back garden, you may train in your front garden. People are walking past or cars are going past. You then may just go to the bit of grass opposite your your street or something. Eventually, you would then go to the park where there are other dogs and people around eventually you'd walk down a busy street. But that's the end goal. It's not at the beginning. We tend to find that dog people say, oh, my dog walks beautifully. Well, it's just me and him. He walks absolutely beautiful. Um, It's only when he sees X, Y or Z. So when he sees birds or when he sees people, when he sees smells, um, that's when he pulls. And what we tend to find at that point or you know sometimes my dog pulls on the lead when they see a dog or when they see a person or they bark it's likely that that's not really a lead problem at all because it would happen whether your dog was on lead or off lead the problem then is actually your dog's emotions and their responses to the things in their environment so for example my middle dog Dave who is a frustrated greeter He walks beautifully on the lead when it's just the two of us. Not a problem at all. He only pulls, or actually he's got a hell of a lot better at it. We've been working on it for a very long time. Um, He only used to pull when he saw dogs or when he saw people, not because he pulled on the lead, but because something he wanted was out of reach. And he's very excited around people and dogs and wants to go and say hello to them. So the thing, his emotional response to the things in the environment is what makes him pull, not because he pulls on the lead. So, knowing the difference between general pulling on the lead and having not learnt lead boundaries versus emotions taking over is a key point because then we actually don't need to work on lead work. We need to work on how your dog feels and their response to the things that enter into their environment, which I know sounds a little bit weird and a bit quirky, but there's two points to everything. There are always going to be two points to everything. We've got our lead work we've got the skill, the training skill, and then we've got the emotion. And when our emotions play a part, we actually need to look at those more than the training skill. Something I would always recommend, whether it's with the motivation or with um, working out your distractions, what your dog is distracted by, is try and look at the reasons why. So keep a diary, a couple of days. What does your dog find distracting? Because if we know what it is, The more we understand why our dog is actually pulling on the lead, what are the reasons behind it? What do they find distracting? Why are they pulling today and not yesterday? Ah, because today we were walking past a load of dogs. That's why. Or today there'd been a bitch in heat in the area, which I know makes my guys pull a little bit more than normal. Um, That way we understand why are they pulling on the lead? What are the patterns in their behaviour? We can then understand their motives and their reasons and then it's easier for us to fix. Next top tip is about creating focus time for you and your dog. Focus time where you and your dog have a dedicated time to work on the particular issue you're looking at. So in this case, lead work. When we go out for a walk, we tend to cram in a million different things into one walk and our dogs naturally start to get a little bit confused because We're lead walking, then I'm off the lead for recall, then I'm back on the lead, then I'm off the lead. Then there's a dog, then there's this. Then I'm allowed to say hello, and then this time I'm not allowed to say hello. Then I've got to sit down at a cafe. When you break it down, that's a hell of a lot of different skills all built into a half an hour or a couple of hours out. So it's no wonder that your dog starts to get a little bit confused because the rules are constantly changing. At this point, we're walking, at this point, you're allowed off lead, now you've got to chill out and do nothing. It can become quite confusing and overwhelming for our dog because the goalpost and the expectation in that short period of time is constantly changing. They can't keep up because there's nothing we can say to our dog that says, that exercise is done. Now we're starting on the next thing. Rules have changed, especially when they're learning. When they know each skill individually, it's then much easier for them to put them all together. But when we're teaching new skills, breaking them down and working on one thing at a time helps it's a bit like if you're learning a new sport. say for example you're learning football you've, you've never done football before you may spend a week on dribbling we just learn how to dribble the next week we're going to practice shooting and scoring our goals can you aim the ball in the net the next week we're going to look at tackling three skills that make you a brilliant football player but working on them individually improves your skill in that individual area before you put it all together so helping our dogs out by fixing one focusing on one activity they can then get in the zone we in our minds know this is the focus for the next 5 minutes these are the rules i can be consistent in transferring that to my dog i'm clear on what i'm rewarding right now and therefore my dog finds it easier we don't sort of give credit to how tiring and how much work dogs have to put into training one of the exercises we do with um people who come to our member clubs um we get to play with them quite a bit and have some fun um (laughs) but we practice them being a dog so being on the other end of the lead with another human instructing them just by going yeah well done yeah well done without giving them the task do you know it sounds really weird but most people after playing that game go oh my goodness it's no wonder my dog learns anything because I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing because I didn't understand the rules because I wasn't told them because I don't speak, <laughs> basically my dog doesn't speak English, so how can I tell them? I felt so confused. I felt frustrated. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't get it right. Now I understand how my dog feels. And then they can start being a better handler and giving constant feedback to their dogs. So training is like your dog constantly playing a guessing game. What gets me reward? What doesn't? So it is really tiring. Equally, when we're focusing on a specific task, we have to get our head in the game. I find training quite tiring if I'm focusing on a particular skill because I have to give it my 110% attention. Therefore, your time for training, so that time you go, right, and this is the skill I'm working on right now, keep your session really short. Even if it's only one minute, one minute of focused, high quality training with really good boundaries and sort of set of guidelines for your dog and you is going to be so much more effective than half an hour with the goalpost constantly changing your dog getting confused. So one minute, five minutes, I would stick to like five minutes, absolute maximum until they're getting it and it's easier for them. It means you stay focused. So does your dog. Your dog stays energetic and enthused by what you're doing. And it makes sure that you're focusing on quality, not quantity. So any time we spend training should be how good is what I'm doing rather than how much of it am I doing? Trying to battle your dog for a 30 minute walk while you're working on lead work is going to be so much harder than spending five minutes going, yes, we've got high quality training happening here. So it doesn't have to be a lot. Can you set aside five minutes per day for your lead work? I'm sure most people could. Even if it was only two minutes, it's better than nothing. The next sort of top tip is about communication um strong communication between you and your dog is for me the key foundation of lead skills if either of you isn't listening to the other and responding how are you going to get anywhere it makes everything else more challenging it's all about you and your dog having a good relationship with each other So I sounds really weird um because you like I just want them to put on the lead why do we need a relationship but all the time your dog will be looking at you for guidance and what your body's saying to them you need to look at them to get feedback of how they're finding it and work together. So looking at their body language, go, oh, they're just about to have a sniff. I'll go off with them rather than, oh, they keep pulling me to everything because I'm walking in a straight line and they just should follow me. It's about building that connection. We as humans focus a lot on talking. You may have noticed because I like talking quite a lot in this podcast, Um, but we focus a lot on talking, giving instructions. And often it's in vain because our dogs don't actually speak English. So we talk a lot, even to our dogs. I mean, how many of you chat to your dog on your walk? I know I do. Um, and then sometimes our dogs can find it really hard to work out what's an instruction, what's just them jabbering away. Not really sure. So trying to focus on saying less with your verbal and saying more with your body helps because naturally dogs respond to body language signals and instructions a lot more than verbal. So think of it as a partner dance where you're working together. When one pushes, the other one pulls. When one moves left, the other one moves left. When one leans in, the other one leans back. You're working together as a team to make a beautiful dance. You're moving together as one rather than two people battling against each other. The lead is often used in an attempt to control dogs. We tighten it, we hold it short, I need them under control. But thinking of your lead as a safety tool rather than a means to control, will actually just transform your journey with your your dog, um, especially with lead work. Um, if we've got tension on the lead, it will affect how they're thinking and feeling. If we're jerking it, it becomes unpleasant for your dog. Naturally, then they don't want to be next to you. And they might walk nicely, but through what consequence? You know, if you're constantly tugging at their neck and, and giving them little checks, as people call it, What are they receiving from that? Is it fun to be on a walk with you or is it absolutely annoying and painful and discomfort? If we hold the lead at the very, very end of it, so they've got the whole length of the lead, if that's two metres, they've got two metre choice. You can choose to stay with me rather than the lead making you. And that, again, just transforms our journey. For me... There's two kind of like key elements to the lead work and if it was this simple <laughs> then I'd be out of a job. One of them is that we reward what we want. We want them to chill out next to us therefore whenever they're near us we we reward that good thing. It encourages them to stay with us so they choose to stay with us rather than the lead making them. The other thing is teaching the lead boundary. You get to the end of the lead we're not going anywhere. Pulling does not work and therefore they a combination of the two over time with a few other things thrown in is that lead pulling does not work, doesn't get you anywhere, but staying with me does. Those are the two key elements. And if it was that simple, brilliant. It obviously there's a lot more to it and there's a lot of skills and tricks that we can help with and teach you. Um, but those are the two key things. Pulling will not work. Staying with me does. In the beginning stages, We reward our dog for the simplest of things. Just looking at me, being near me, remembering I'm actually in the same area as you. That will encourage them to stay with you. We tend to think of lead workers, well, I'm not going to reward them until we've walked 10 paces down the road and they've actually stayed with me. But we forget to reward that first step. So that first step of the journey is so incredibly important because if we don't reward the first step, we're not getting ourselves set up for the next step, the next step, the next step. So reward that first few steps. In a new location where there's new distractions and stuff happening, forget about walking. Just reward them remembering you are in the same space as them, looking up at you, being near you. That's enough at the beginning stages. So, lead work is often seen as something that's quite boring. Um, It's functional, it's boring, it's challenging, and it's hard work. We put a lot of challenge, a lot of pressure on ourselves to get it right as soon as possible. And in turn, lead work just becomes a really pain in the bum task that nobody really wants to do. You get negative associations with going out yourself. You don't want to walk your dog. You feel a bit naff. You feel like you're incompetent because you can't walk your dog on the lead. And then it's no wonder that you and your dog find it a struggle because you're finding it a struggle. You go into it with the wrong attitude, which is so easily done and it's so common. So don't worry about it if you are having a negative attitude. Um, focus on the fun. There is a misconception that dogs only have fun if they're off lead, running, chasing, playing, and having a whale of a time. Being on lead is rubbish and boring. I completely disagree with that. On lead can, should, and is just as much fun as being off lead. In fact, I would argue that being on lead is more fun because you are engaging together and you are connected. So if you're really struggling with lead work, take some of the pressure off. Undertake some fun activities on lead, whether that be scent detection, tracking, tracking's a brilliant one if they're pulling because they're allowed to pull, um, parkour, whatever it is, a fun activity that is on lead that you and your dog are actually doing to improve your relationship and have fun together, often without realising, because you're having fun together, you forget you're doing lead work as well at the same time. And in a roundabout way, through undertaking fun activities, your lead work starts to improve as well. Which I know, sounds really quirky, right? Um, obviously, good things aren't going to happen overnight. Um, if you start your lead work training today, by the end of the week, it's suddenly not magically going to be fixed. Um, so don't feel disheartened if you don't see instant result. You're going to need a time frame to measure your progress. And that could be a year, that could be a month. Any less than a month, you haven't given it a chance to really work. So give yourself a target, what I would suggest you do is almost score yourself out of 10 for a few different lead work areas, and then in a month's time, reassess yourself. Is there progress? We don't want it to be instant because miracles don't happen overnight. Um, your slow progress, realistic expectations and realistic goals is much more achievable for you. I don't want people to start doing lead work, and then a week later go, "Well it's shit it didn't work because it's a a long sort of patient journey and a lot of training and dedication to help you get to where you want to be. So sticking to those couple of minute sessions, A, will help with your reliability or consistency, but equally it will help get you that bigger goal. So measure your success. It is hard to measure progress. Some people like to film their walk um, or film their training session just outside their house so that you can see from last week to this week, how things are starting to change. Filming yourself is brilliant because when you're inside the situation training with your dog, it's really hard to see it from an outer perspective because naturally you're in the situation. You see it from your perspective, looking down at your dog. When you film it and look back at it later, you can then see it as an outsider looking in. You can see what you're doing. You can see what your dog's doing and you can start to see progress a lot more. So once a week, film what you're doing with your dog. That way you can see the progress. Give yourself a mark out of 10 Another way to do it is to pick yourself an area or a goal. I walk from here to the third lamppost down the street, and today they pulled three times. Um, last week they pulled twenty. Wow, what an improvement! It's hard to find measurable tasks, but finding a couple would help. Will help you to know you are on the road to success. But just remember, it is a slow one. It's not going to happen instantly. Um, for some dogs, it is. Some dogs naturally never pull on the lead. I said my middle dog doesn't. He hard. He's rarely pulls on the lead and if he does it's like oh who are you (laughs) what have you done with my real dog because he doesn't do it other dogs will pull on the lead and others just say they're a bit in the middle um but recognizing why they're doing it is going to be a massive 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 understanding because if we understand the reasons it improves so my youngest dog is quite a nervous disposition um he's a bit wary of stuff he pulled an awful lot as a puppy not because of necessarily pulling on the lead. He was actually a little bit scared of his lead. Um, It's a necessity, so we have to put it on him. Um, But he also was quite wary of the world. So when things spooked him and he tried to get away, naturally he'd get to the end of the lead. So as his confidence has grown over the last couple of years, so has his lead work reduced. Obviously, we've been working on lead work skills a lot anyway and building his confidence with having a lead on, learning about being restricted etc he's happier off lead he's happier with freedom hence we use a long line when we're in places where it's safe to do so to remove the pressure of lead work but he has made massive improvement over two years so you may be in it for the long haul but think of those few sort of tips and tricks about how to improve your lead work now lead work is one of my passions i love it (laughs) no matter where you are in the world we can help you with your lead work uh, we do have a 12-week online program leading the way, which involves pre-recorded online videos to give you the skills, and a weekly group call with our training team and other trainees, um, where you can ask us questions, you can send us your video feedback, and we can give you um, sort of analysis on what you're up to. Um, hopefully, some top these top tips. And if you're looking at undertaking some training, say so we've got our online program and also our in-person course designed for lead work and nothing but lead work. Um, Personally, one of my faves to teach. Um, It will help you transform your walk from that total pain in the arse, or pain in the arm, should I say, to a relaxing and enjoyable experience. If you are struggling with lead work, if you need some reassurance, head over to our Facebook group, Potter Paws Dog Training Community, where our trainers are on hand to answer some questions and you can hear from people in our group who have maybe undertaken our courses before and have got some good things to say um, but equally we are there to support you on your journey and answer any questions you may have um, i hope you have enjoyed listening to this week's episode and i can't wait to catch up with you next week when i believe we're going to be talking about recall and some top tips to help you improve your recall thank you for listening to the dynamic dog owner with me debbie potter see you next time